Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Well, good morning, Epiphany Church. It is good to be gathered with God's people. Psalm 91 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, my God, he is my refuge and my fortress. What a great Sunday, a beautiful Sunday it is to be virtually gathered with God's people. Uh, would you do me two, two quick favors? Uh, number one, share this link. Let somebody know that we're live and we're about to get into the word of God. Tag somebody, share it. Uh, and the second thing I'd love for you to do is grab your Bibles or your devices or your laptops, whatever it is you've got that contains the word of God and get to Romans 15. We have been making good traction. I have a somewhat of an announcement, if you will. We're in Romans 15 today. We're finishing up uh, Romans 15. Next week, we are finishing up the book of Romans. We're going to do the entire chapter next week. Uh, and so having two more weeks left really is a great accomplishment for us. Uh, let me quickly publicly uh, just say that I am uh, really grateful to pastor a church that is patient as we work through Scripture as we work through all of what the word of God has to say. And, you know, our, our church has been uh, committed to going through books of the Bible since the inception of our church. We almost feel like that's how the Lord really called us to work through scripture is not to just be topical, but actually work through books of the Bible. And so we've gone through the book of Colossians. We've gone through the book of Jonah. Uh, we've gone through the book of First Peter. And we, we went through the book of Habakkuk when nobody in the church even knew how to pronounce Habakkuk. Uh, and this is our longest book, 16 chapters. And we have, we're, I mean, we're, we're basically at the end. Next week is just Paul's shout outs, Paul's greetings. Y'all know how it is when uh, back in the day we used to watch black market movies. Y'all don't know nothing about that. And they used to film the movie while they were, you know, sitting in the movie theater and somebody would jump up and give a shout out. That's what Paul's going to do in Romans 16. Uh, so hang in there with us as we continue to work through the rest of this book. I love the way Isaiah 40 says it, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. And so as a church, we believe in and stand on the truth of what scripture has to say, even when it's saying something that cuts us or goes against what we believe. All right, let's dig in. We're in Romans 15, uh, finishing up the chapter today. Won't you pick me up in verse 22? I hope you guys greeted each other in the in the chat room. I know sometimes that 30 seconds goes kind of quickly, but if you see somebody's name on Facebook or on YouTube that you don't know, won't you just give them some love, give them a shout out? All right, this is the reason, verse 22, why I have so often be, been hindered in coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you, watch this, in passing as I go to Spain, and to be helped on my journey there by you. Once I have enjoyed your company for a while, at present, uh, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints for Macedonia and Ikea have been pleased to make a contribution, please make note of that word, to the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Verse 27, for they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them, for the Gentiles have come to share in the spiritual blessings. They ought to also be of service to them in material blessings. 
When therefore I have completed this, I have, de- uh, I have delivered to them what has been collected. I will leave for Spain by the way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints so that by the will, by God's will, I may come to you with joy. Don't miss this and be refreshed by your company. Last verse. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. I'm going to preach today from the topic entitled, What's Next? Would you do me a favor and just put that in the, in the chat room, but just make sure you pose it as a question with the question mark. What's next? Let's look to the Lord before we dig in. Uh, Father, as we gather around your infallible word, uh, we do so pleading for your presence We are in need of transformation, the transformation that only your word can bring. And so, Father, would you remove the distractions from us? Some of us have had a real busy week. We've had chaos on our jobs. We are have been consumed by the needs of our kids and and the affairs of life have overtaken us. But Lord, I pray that we would remove all of the, we would declutter the cross today and that we would see the beauty of Christ as we dig into this text. Father, we, we don't presume to think we can understand your word without your Holy Spirit. And so, Father, wherever people are right now, wherever they're watching from, wherever they're piping this and streaming this from today, I pray that you would meet them today where they are. It's in Christ's name we give all glory. Amen. What's next? You know, as a pastor, I I typically get um, I get asked a lot of questions. I think sometimes people foolishly assume that pastors are experts on all areas. Nothing could be further from the truth. There there are many things we we don't know. But for some reason, I I get asked a lot of questions. I get questions that are theological questions. And and I'm. I understand why those questions come, but I also get questions about relationship and get asked about relationship advice. And I get asked to do marriage counseling and advice on life decisions. And I get asked questions about college degrees and which direction to go in with uh, with schooling and academics. But by far, one of the most um, consistent questions I get is, Pastor, what is my purpose? What, what, what is the thing that I'm, what, why am I here? What, what is the thing that I am supposed to be doing? I feel directionless in life and I don't really know what God wants me to do. How do I align with the purpose and the will of God? And in order to do that, they usually ask me the question, what's next? It is in this passage that Paul is extremely transitional. He, he's, he's really at the, the last end. He, he's at the last leg of this race And he is transitioning from where he is and he's letting us know where his journey is taking him and where he is going next. And by the spirit of God, he is making kingdom moves. And as he navigates these moves, you and I are privileged today because we get to pick up on how Paul moves and and, and really the priority that he puts on making sure that he's aligned with God's will. I think sometimes we make decisions And they're typically based off of where the money is at. 
where the money resides. And, and we, we typically make decisions based on comfort for us. But Paul doesn't make decisions like that. Paul, Paul makes decisions that are kingdom minded. He, he makes decisions that are focused on God's will and not his will. He, he makes decisions that are focused on God's agenda, not his agenda. What city should I go into? He consults God for where the next steps should be. And so as Paul asks the question, what's next? And you and I ponder that question. Let's dig in and see what Paul thinks about what's next. Look at verse 22. It says, for this reason, this is the reason why I have so often been hindered in coming to you. Why, why are you hindered? But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed to come to you for many years, I hope to see you, don't miss this, in passing as I go to Spain. Pay attention to Paul's missionary journey here and his missionary drive here. Earlier in this chapter, in fact, last week in verse 19, Paul says that from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum that he fulfilled the ministry of the gospel. Last week, I focused on the fact that he preached the gospel, but I failed you in mentioning that he preached it in major cities. Don't, don't miss Paul's drive. Paul typically looked for the cities that had the highest population and he would go there and preach the gospel. And Paul was so dope that everybody in the city would hear about Jesus. Paul basically said to us last week, I preached the gospel in Jerusalem and people got saved. I preached the gospel in Illyricum and people got saved. I am on my way to Spain to preach the gospel and people will get saved. But before I get there, I'm going to come to Rome and preach the gospel so that people can get saved and so that you can get strengthened. He said in all the cities that I live in and partake in, I am fulfilling the ministry of preaching the gospel. And because I am doing so, I am seeing fruit. Now I'm on my way to Spain because Spain needs to get this work. That, that's basically what Paul is saying. But Paul is letting us know that he has fulfilled the ministry of the preaching the gospel in at least two major cities and is on his way to a third one. But it's interesting that he says stuff in verse 23, like I no longer have any room for work in this region. Remember last week he said he wanted to preach the gospel where it had not been preached. He went to preach the gospel where, where people, uh, where unbelievers were. And apparently Paul is saying that I preached it so much where I am, I ain't got no more work to do in this region. I got to move on to somewhere else where there are people that need to hear about Jesus. You would think that after evangelizing two major cities that Paul would bask in his accomplishments. You'd think that Paul would sit back and enjoy a successful season of being previously aligned with the will, but Paul doesn't rest. Paul says, what's next? It is in that what's next that convicted me this week. It is in Paul's drive. I mean, he literally preached the gospel in two major cities, but he's still going, where else can I be of use? Well, what other city can I go to and make impact and leave gospel legacy? And it is something in that what, what's next that often gets me because I often feel satisfied when I do what God told me to do. I often feel like a sense of accomplishment when I am aligned with God's will. But here's the reality that what, what's next always means that there's somebody else that needs to hear about Jesus. There is somebody else that needs to benefit from you being around them. There is somebody else that would benefit 
from your presence. You ain't too old. Your time has not passed. You need to ask yourself this morning, what else does God have for me to do? What else is it that God is calling from me? Every major city that Paul went to, he always said, well, what's next? Can you imagine going through life like that? Not, not, not asking what, what's next in terms of degree. Not asking what's next in terms of moving up the corporate ladder. Listen, do those things. But if you're at the priority of your uh, a Christian journey, if you are not saying what's next in terms of people meeting Jesus, you're missing the mark. Because Paul convicted me this morning when I was up early this morning reading this passage. I was going, God, Paul, you like take take a break, bro. Like you, you're going from city to city to city. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, many of you may not even live in New York, right? You, you, you're just here. And I don't know, maybe work brought you here. Maybe, um, I, I don't know, you're trying to make it and, and, and you're trying to be an entrepreneur and all of these things. And listen, that's great. Do your thing. But every city that you live in, you should, you should saturate it with the gospel of Christ. You should do it through your life. You should do it through your message. Paul has gospel receipts. Yet he's still looking for more lives to be transformed by the power of the message of Christ. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we had this ambition that Paul has? Well, wouldn't it be wonderful if we asked ourselves what ne what's next? Who else needs to hear about Christ? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we got that job and got that promotion and we said, what's next? Who else needs to see God's presence on my life? Wouldn't it be great if we asked ourselves what, what's next? Who else could benefit from me being a part of their life? What's next? Who else could benefit from me being living, living in this neighborhood, living on this block, living in this building? Do people in the building that you live in know that you serve a savior that could save their souls? Paul often said, what's next? And his what's next was people. Have you considered that gospel work has just begun in your life? It has not ended. I don't care what kind of season you came out of. The work of sharing the good news of Christ has just begun. And unfortunately, we've moved into cities to simply try to make it. We, we've moved into cities because it was the sexy thing to do. We, we moved into cities because this is the place I can get exposed and found. And this, this is the place I can make a ton of money. But Paul doesn't move into cities like that. Well, what if Paul lived in the neighborhood you live in? What if Paul lived in the apartment that you live in? Here's what I know about Paul. If Paul lived on your block, everybody on the block would hear about Jesus. If Paul lived in your building, everybody in your building would hear and know about Jesus. But yet we live there and people don't know and people don't hear. And so Paul says, I just need to know what else you have for me, God. What else is next? I'm going to Spain, but as I'm on my way to Spain, as I'm passing through, I'm going to chill in Rome just for a little bit. God has you living in that building for a reason, y'all. He has you in that neighborhood and on that block for a reason. God has you in that family for a reason. God has you on that job for a reason. You got that promotion for a reason because God wants you to seek him for what is Next, who else needs to know about Jesus because of you? So don't get stuck in a sense of accomplishment. Don't get stuck in a, in a sense, in a season of celebrating previous seasons that you neglect to see what else God wants you to do. Lord, give us wisdom. Give us discernment. 
Help us to, to ponder this very idea of what is next. One of the things I love about Paul is whenever he went into a city, he was always looking for, for lost people to meet Jesus. That, I, I mean, I, I love that about Paul. Every city he went in, he made sure that everybody heard about Jesus. He did that in the Lyricum. He did that in Jerusalem. He's going to do that in Spain. Ooh, go, do me a favor. Go to, go to Acts chapter 19 real quick. Acts chapter 19 is, is one book back. I want to show you what Paul would do when he would come into a city. If y'all remember last week, I talked about Acts 17 when he went to Athens, right, at the Areopagus. Let's look at what he does when he goes to the city of Ephesus. I hope y'all are rocking with me. In the city of Ephesus, Acts chapter 19, verse number 8, here's what it says about Paul in Ephesus. It says, he entered the synagogue for three months and spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took his disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. Here it is, verse 10. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia, (laughs) did you hear that? Heard about the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greek. Let me read that again. All the residents of Asia, all the residents, all, everybody heard about Jesus. Why? Because Paul lived there. Because Paul saturated the city with this message of Christ. I'm just just wondering, those of you who live here in New York, or maybe you live in another part of of the country, or maybe even internationally across the world, can you, like, what if this, what if this bore witness about us? That everybody in our neighborhood knew about Jesus. I ain't saying everybody got saved. You might get rejected. They may not believe, but what if everybody heard about this king, about this Messiah, about this savior of the world, this one that took all of our sins on the cross 2,000 years ago. What if everybody heard about it because you live there? See, we, we, we go through life and we don't do so gospel-centered. We say we're gospel-centered, but gospel-centered literally means that I look at my life as a conduit to make sure that people can hear and know about Jesus. What else is it that God has for you? Write that down somewhere. What else is it that you're looking for from me, God? What do you you want from me on this job? Like, you need to ask those questions. You know, Paul, go back to Romans. Paul wasn't just serious about going into major cities and and saturating them. That that wasn't just Paul's um, goal. He had a plan and strategy. Can you type that? Paul had a plan. And he had strategy. What, what, what is his plan and his strategy? Pick me back up in verse 24. He says, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain to be helped by you on my journey. He says, once I have enjoyed your company for a while. Watch his strategy. At the present, however, I am going to Jerusalem to bring aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in the spiritual blessings, they ought also to serve in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this, I love this, uh, and have delivered to them what has been collected, finances, I will leave for Spain by the way of you. Paul understands that in order to do missional work, 
it takes money. Paul, Paul understands in, in this passage that he is not just going with the wind, but he is making a strategy and he is making a plan for how he is going to sustain himself as he does ministry. Right now, he is securing the bag. Right now, he, is, he literally is asking where the money resides. And, and so in order to travel, he understands that he has to do so based off of support that the saints can give. He says, I'm coming to you because I need aid. Coming to you because I need finances. And you know what I love about this passage? Nobody complained about it. Nobody said, why is Paul asking us for money? They knew that they could give, that Paul was a good place to give resources because when Paul was helped on his way to the next city, he would reach the city in ways that they were not able to do while they were sitting in Rome. He knows that all of Spain is going to hear about the word of God if they can give resources to it. And so Paul prepares the church at Rome to help him. He, he says, I need to be helped by you. This doesn't mean that they want to say goodbye and God bless you and thanks for hanging out. No, that means I need help from you. I need financial support from you. I need resources from you. Paul always had a plan. Paul always had a gospel strategy. Paul knew where he was going and he had a plan in place on how to get there. He said, y'all Gentiles have been partakers in spiritual blessings. Now it's important for you to be partakers in material blessings. Give. That's a plan. That is strategy. And I'm afraid that some of us operate in life by this fly by the seat of our pants idea. We don't have strategy and we don't, we don't have plans. And some of us do. But, but the reality is the, the majority of us, we kind of just go wherever the wind blows, wherever the tide takes us. And that may be one of the reasons why we accomplish so little for the glory of God. And consequently, we feel so insignificant in the kingdom. That that may be one of the reasons why I often get this feeling that people feel unsatisfied with kingdom impact. And I wonder if we feel like that is because we're not leaving a real gospel legacy because we have not put a plan and a strategy in place on how we are to do our Christian life. We have, we have a strategy and a plan for everything else, but do we have a strategy and a plan for how we are to do our Christian life? God is like, I need you to get up right out of plan, but make sure you seek me in the plan. Because Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21 says, many are the plans of a man's heart, but the Lord's purpose prevails. God is like, don't have your own agenda. Don't write your own strategy. Write one and make sure that I'm included in it. Paul knew where he was going. And I just, I mean, I simply want to ask you some questions as you ponder this idea of you having a strategy and you having a plan. Ponder these questions. What is your strategy for doing life as a Christian? Like, really think about that. What plans have you put in place as you are working through your Christian journey? I'm not asking you what business plan you have. I'm not asking you what is your, 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 your plan for schooling. I'm not asking you what is your plan to move up the corporate ladder. I'm asking you what is your plan as a Christian to do Christian life? What, what is your, do we think about things like that? Here's another question. What good thing for the glory of God would you like to see happen in your neighborhood? And as you get that on your mind, what is the plan and strategy to make sure it happens? Stuff that we don't think about. Do you want to see your neighbors come to Christ? I'm sure the answer is yes. If the answer is yes, what is the plan? What is the strategy? Have you planned out how you will 
get that degree and make sure that God gets glory through your degree? Or are we only thinking about money? How can you make impact as a Christian? How are you going to use that promotion that Jesus gave you? How are you going to use that promotion to make sure that you're making a lot of noise for Jesus? You know, that's one of the things I love about our church. Our church, man, even in the midst of a pandemic, y'all getting promotions, man. Y'all getting new jobs. I mean, it, it almost feels like every other week I'm hearing about a promotion. And, man, I am grateful to hear how God is using you and how God is opening doors. Some of you are on your way to promotions and you're waiting and you interviewed and you got, you got, the, you got the, 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 the goods to get it. Like you got all the skills and you, you got all the, the requirements and you are ready and you are about to get that promotion. But you must ask yourself, how does God want to use this to make sure that he gets the glory? Have you thought about these questions? Are we counting the cost to make sure that we are really, really having a plan and a strategy? So Paul knew. Paul says, I know where I'm going. I know that I need financial help. And I have the, I love this. I have the confidence to ask you for resources. And I know that you're going to give it because you're faithful. Oftentimes, people don't want to give to church because they've seen financial abuse. And they've experienced hurt in terms of giving towards the kingdom of God, but the reality is, I just want to give you context. Paul is asking Gentiles to give to impoverished Jews in ancient Israel. That was, un- you may not know the tension here, but that was unheard of. Jews and Gentiles didn't even speak, and finally they meet Jesus and they're speaking, but now Paul is taking it to a next level. He says, Gentiles, Y'all partook in the spiritual blessings. Now you need to partake in the material blessings. Give to impoverished Jews. There was no other place in society that you could see that. There was no other place that you could see meaningful relationships between Jews and Gentiles. There was no other place that you saw Gentiles financially giving and sacrificing for Jews. And what this would do is this would secure the unity in the early church. What's, what's your excuse, excuse for giving resources, for giving the, the resources that God has given to you? Paul says, I'm coming to you. I need help that you may help me on my way as I'm passing through when I go to Spain and nobody's complaining. I saw a meme uh, earlier this week that somebody that, uh, it showed up in one of my, my group chats. Somebody posted uh, a meme that, that did the math on 10% of the stimulus check. They said the stimulus check is, is $1,400, 10% is $140, and it just ended by saying somebody might need, somebody, somebody might need help with that. Somebody need, might need to know that. Listen, I'm not asking for your stimulus check. Paul would. Did, I mean, did you read the text? He says, I'm coming to you. I need help as I'm going to Spain. You got it. I need it. And that's how Paul asked. And, and you know, Paul, Paul knew that they would give it. He knew he would get the help. He's like, look, I'm bringing money from, I'm bringing money from the, the Macedonian church and I'm giving it to the church uh, at, at Jerusalem because they need finances. In fact, the word that he uses for contribution here is koinia in the Greek. Koinia literally means participation or partnership or joint participation. What we call an offering, Paul called a partnership. We called the church asking you for resources. Paul called a partnership. And so every time you get your check, God wants to see, are you going to partner with him in reaching your city? 
Are you going to partner with him in reaching your neighborhood? Are you going to partner with him in reaching your borough? And so Paul has a financial plan on how he will make impact in cities, but he doesn't just come there to Rome and say, I, I need your money. But he also seeks their comfort in relationship. Ultimately, he's seeking emotional encouragement. Look what he says in verse 24. I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped by you on my journey there. Once I have, here it is, enjoyed your company. Jump down to verse 32. So that by God's will, he says, I may come to you with joy and be refreshed by your company. In other words, Paul wasn't only looking for where the money resides, but he was looking for where the emotional support resides. He he was looking for comfort. Watch this, that only the community could bring. He was was looking for encouragement that only happened in the context of relationship with God's body. I'm sure gospel ministry was hard for Paul. And there there were many times, I I said it last week, that he was beaten and left for dead. He He was shipwrecked. He was... He, he, he was bitten by snakes. I mean, he was abandoned. He was put in prison. And Paul had a hard life. And Paul simply, he, he's not even being deep. It's nothing deep about verse 24 and verse 32. He just says, I just want to chill with you. I'm coming to Rome. Yeah, I need resources. But I'm coming to Rome because I know my mental state will be off the charts if I don't get in community. If I don't get around the body. Paul, Paul, Paul's way of coping with his emotional turmoil was not to run to a drink. It, it was not to run to edibles or sexting. It was not to run to burning sage. Paul's way of coping with his emotional ups and downs was to get into the body and do life. Listen, I, I know how hard it is. Shout out to all of y'all that are consistently engaging with people, whether you're running on Saturday mornings or uh, or, or you're getting in small group, which is about to pop, pop off soon, or you're getting with the guys. Shout out to Ashton for leading our men. Shout out to Ty for leading our young ladies. Maybe you're engaging. Maybe you engaged in Philippians and while we were going through it in, 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 uh, in February. Whatever it takes to get in community, you don't realize how much you need it. Paul, like he's called by Jesus, but yet he understands he still needs the body. He can't be all over the place in city after city after city and not engage with people. And so he says, look, I'm coming to you, Rome. I'm coming, but I'm passing through. But when I get there, there's two things I need. I need resources. I need money. But the second thing I need is I need your comfort. I need relationship. I need connection. Who is it that needs connection right now? There there are so many of us that feel disconnected. In fact, if you would do me a favor, why don't we go there this morning? Would you just type in the chat room if you have been feeling disconnected, you you haven't felt apart, you just, the pandemic has messed you up and you're just like all over the place and you're, you have been disconnected. Would you just type that in the chat? I've been disconnected. I've been disconnected. Can, Can I be honest? I've been disconnected. It is hard in this pandemic to make sure that you are building relationships where Paul is like, look, if anybody should just go to city after city and just and meet people and engage with people and then go to the next city is Paul because that's what he was called to do. Yet he knew that he needed a relationship with people. Somebody needs to be refreshed. 
So, so, somebody needs the comfort of friends today. Somebody needs to go on vacation with some friends. Dag, you only say amen. No other part of the sermon. Somebody, that, that's, that's one of the most spiritual things you could do is go ahead while these flights are still cheap and book you a flight somewhere with, and with some friends so that you can ask yourself while you're away sitting on the beach, God, what's next? Because that's what Paul does. Paul says, I'm coming. To, I mean, I'm not making this up to be refreshed by you. I'm coming to enjoy your company. See, sometimes we think this thing is so deep. You want to hear from God? Get out of the city. Get away for a little bit and just get time with the Lord. What's next has to be prayerful. I I, I didn't even preach that because I, I just don't have time. But in verse 30, he talks about striving together in your prayers. Like your next, your what's next has to be a prayerful what's next. Your what's next has to be a strategic what's next. Don't just blow with the wind. Have a plan. Your what's next has to be counting the cost so that you have resources for whatever is next. Your what's next, that means you might have to do some work on your credit. Your your what's next, you see, somebody's what's next is getting married. Praise God. Marriage is beautiful. But can I promise you you might need to work on the credit a little bit before you propose? Like that, what, what, what's next is, is for Paul was making sure that resources were in place. Financial stewardship is important. So your what's next might be filled with trying to get your resources together. And finally, your what's next has to be a place where emotional health thrives. I don't know about y'all, man. I'm, I'm ending here. I, I'm, I'm tired of seasons where I'm emotionally spent. Is that anybody's testimony in this room? Where you're just tired uh, like of seasons that are just busy and busy. There's a, there's a text in Ecclesiastes that says, don't box as one beating the air. It holds this idea that you're exerting all this energy and you're swinging and you're swinging and swinging. But it says beating the air. You're not, you're not making impact. You're not hitting anything. There is nothing more emotionally draining than being busy and not being productive. I mean, that's a whole word. There is nothing more draining than being busy but not being productive. So your next season has to be one where you care for your emotional health. That, that might mean you might need to go to therapy. Shoot, I don't know how, I mean, I, maybe it's just me. I just don't know how anybody lives in 2021 without therapy. I just, I, I just don't. It's just too much going on from, from the political world to race issues to disunity in the church to pandemics to financial stress of living in New York. I mean, there's just stress everywhere. How do you cope without getting some type of emotional help? Today, I want, I want you to be confident that God does have a what's next for you. I know you feel like it's over. I know you feel like you're, 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 you've ran your course and your season is done. But baby, it's just beginning. It's just beginning. Your what's next is filled with possibilities and opportunities. And I'm saying that in confidence because I'm looking at Paul. Like if anybody should be at the end of their journey, like you done, like Paul could have checked out right here and we still would have been like, yo, Paul was the best. But he doesn't check out because he realizes that there's more for him to do. Father, I pray for everybody that's under the sound of my voice. One of the greatest questions we can ask ourselves, Lord, is what do you want us to do?
we do realize that there is certainly areas that we've missed opportunities. We fail to plan. We plan to fail. Whatever they say, Lord, we, we've, 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 we've went on with life without being prayerful. We've went on life without enjoying the company of one another. In other words, we've been in isolation, and as a consequence, we are emotionally drained. We've been in seasons where we were selfish when we went to a new neighborhood or a new context or a new job and a new relationship, and we didn't seek you, and we didn't ask you, what is it that you want me to do here? And so, Father, I pray for everybody today. I pray for leaders. I pray for those that you have gifted with leadership. Sometimes leadership can be lonely. Leadership can, can be filled with the burdens of everybody around us. But, Father, I pray for that leader today that they would be emotionally healthy, they would have plan and strategy and vision. Would you give them fresh vision today? Pray that you would use this sermon, oh God, to be one of those sermons that, are, that is transitional for somebody's life. Somebody that is going through life wherever the wind blows, they go. And I pray that they would look at Paul's way of going through life and understand that Paul was aligned with your will. And so, Father, ultimately I'm praying for successful seasons to be marked by being in your will, not making money, not getting new jobs and new promotions. Well, I would pray for those things, but I pray ultimately that we'd be, we'd be so in line with your will. There is not, nothing more peaceful than knowing that we are accomplishing in every season what you want us to accomplish in every season because there are no wasted seasons with you. We thank you, O oh God, for this word. Hide in our heart that we'll never sin against it. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.